0: Welcome to the Financial Feast Podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm Zach. And today we're going to be talking about how much house can you afford?
1: Welcome back, everybody, to episode number 21. Yes, 21. Today we're going to be discussing how much house can you afford? Because a lot of people, when they're looking at houses, whether that's owning houses Or renting houses. Yes, this does apply to renting houses as well. Yes. They overget what they can actually get. Yeah. Right. And then they kind of stick themselves. Yes. And we want to avoid those issues of buying too much house. So we're going to talk today about how much house you can afford and how to figure out how much house you can afford in your own budget. So what we're going to do is we're going to answer a couple different questions um, on how we think that you can kind of figure out for you these are pretty well-known things, um, different ways people come up with for you to figure out how much house you can own, um, yes. how much house you can buy. And we're gonna discuss which one we think is better because we think one is a little bit better than the other one. Yeah. And then we're gonna help explain some hidden costs that are included in home buying that a lot of people just don't consider yes. when they're buying a house. And because of that, even if they do this preliminary kind of work, I know they're still kind of stuck. Yeah, because right. they haven't thought through everything. So we want right. to help you think through everything. Yeah. Before we get to that though. Yes. Food. Oh, yeah. Financial feast. Yep. Food. It's quick for anybody who's new. We do talk about food every single episode at the beginning. For only for a couple of minutes. So you can hold on for a couple of minutes if you don't want to listen to it, just fast forward it. But of course you want to listen to <laughs> of it. Of course you do. Cuz it's on, food. Now. Why don't you want to listen to food? So, we've been talking about steak a lot. Yes. We're going to shift to vegetables. No. Oh. We're doing a hard turn. That is really I have a, a pretty strong opinion on what I think the best vegetable is. Okay. I would like to know what you think the best vegetable is. Mm. I think that's a sticky subject because a lot of people just don't like vegetables.
0: Yeah. I, mean, I really enjoy they're vegetables. They're okay. I, I don't like not vegetable. mind vegetables. Um, for me, it's I actually really like carrots. Okay. Yeah. Are you a raw carrot or are you like cooked carrots? I actually like both. Okay. I do not really have a preference on either because okay. typically... They're kind of like a vegetable that you could just it, it goes better with other vegetables with it, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. So okay. I really like both. How about you though? So
1: I I love asparagus. If I had to pick really? a vegetable that I was gonna go with, it's, oh, it's asparagus. I love asparagus. I, I, <laughs> I love asparagus. It's okay. I know that is that that's would why not I told be you before this. It was a hard take because yeah. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people like asparagus. I really like asparagus. Yeah, I mean, if I had to go, someone with the out there had to buy it, right? I love it. So, and it's funny because growing up, I only ate raw carrots. I would not eat cooked carrots. And since getting married, maybe it's maybe it's like a fake, a little bit fake. But my mother-in-law makes cooked carrots, but she like boils them in like sugar, Ooh, <laughs> so they're like yes. sweet and delicious. So I will eat them. I yeah. really like them. So I've turned my my view on cooked carrots, but. I feel like my mom would just, like, cook carrots in water, and they would just be gross. So maybe that's why I didn't like yeah, cooked carrots. I now mean, they're, like, sweet and delicious when my mother-in-law yeah, makes them. Yeah, you got to so. put stuff with them, yeah, yeah. That does add to the flavor, All for right. sure. That's, that's where I'm at. So we got, we got asparagus and cooked carrots and raw carrots. Yeah. We're pretty healthy over here. I know. Steak um, and carrots. So how much health can you afford? When you... Now, you've owned a house for a while, Yep. right? I have. When you guys first bought your house, your first house, yeah, because you're right, this is your second house. When you first bought your house, how much work did you do personally to get into really digging into the numbers? Because I know you're more of a numbers guy than I have been long term. Did you guys like really get into the numbers on like, this is how much house we can afford before you even started looking? Or did you just kind of look and then kind of go from there?
0: uh well with the first house we didn't really get into the numbers as much okay. and I learned from that okay and when we got the second house so we definitely did i definitely did do a deep number dive uh to make sure that everything was good but yeah the first house we were more along the lines of here's how much we were pre-approved for yeah let's go out and do something yeah and let's go get a house and not really thinking of all the other stuff that goes into it plus I bought a home that was built in like 1900 something so it was super old <laughs> you know, a
1: lot of stuff that and there, do there was that. a lot of
0: regrets yeah but it, i mean it was a good starter home it was okay
1: yeah so for our house we've we've lived in the same house now since we got married nine years ago um and for us it was the same thing i we we got approved for a certain amount and we went and found the budget house that worked in that range yep and we've been there and and looking back now um, what we're going to talk about here um, is we're going to tell kind of two ways to figure out how to figure out that budget amount that you should be looking at a house. Yeah. And um, the one that we recommend, um, we were not in that range for our house. And and it's because our salaries were significantly less than they are now. So we're fine now. It, yeah. We're, we're in that range plenty now. But when we first got it, we weren't. And, it, and it's worked out because we were able to make the, the payments. It was just more tight than it probably should have been, Yeah. right? So I, I just thought that was interesting because we didn't talk about that. And I think that's where a lot of people are. I think so, too. I think they go to the bank or they go to a mortgage lender and they get pre-approved for a certain amount. And they and think that's they their
0: budget. And they just go with that. Yeah. They think and that's what we... They know. Like, they know what we can afford. Let's just go yeah. with that. Yeah. And
1: we're going to come on, come in with a, with a strong opinion of don't do that. Yeah. Right? Yes. Don't do that because... The mortgage lenders out there are using different parameters to figure out the amounts that they should, that, that you're getting a pre-approved for.
0: Yeah. They're Especially. using credit score more than anything else.
1: Yeah. And, it, and it's not wrong. It's not no. that they're bad. No. But it, may, it might not make the most sense for you. Yes. Right? So that's where we're at. We're going to talk about two different ways to figure out your home that you can afford. So what we're going to do really quick is I'm just going to list them out. And I'm going to give a couple quick qualifiers. Right. So the first one is three times your income. So let's say you make eighty thousand dollars as a couple, three times your income, two hundred and forty thousand dollars. Yep. So they say you make eighty grand pre tax, that's your total salary. They say you can then buy a house for two hundred forty thousand dollars. That's that's option number one. Yeah. Option number two is twenty five to thirty percent of your take home pay is what you should be doing to to figure out which one which what your house budget is. Yes. And that's the one, just spoiler alert, that's that's, the one that we're leading to. All right. So we're not in the three times your income, we're in the 25 to 30% of your take home pay. So before we get deeper into this, let's do a couple quick qualifiers about take home pay, right? Because I think some people might be concerned about that. So, first of all, how do I figure out, or, or, or why don't, before we get that, why don't you explain what take home pay is?
0: Yeah, it's just base. It's so it's really easy in its own sense, but it's just basically what you get in the bank after taxes have been taken out. So whatever you get deposited in your account from your job, that your four hundred and one k may have been taken out. Everything else was taken out. Taxes were taken out. That is your take home pay. Now, when we're talking about three times your income qualifier, there we're talking about gross income. Correct. And big difference. Difference with that is when you start a job, they'll say. You're gonna get paid eighty thousand salary a year, or you'll get paid eighty thousand a year. That's gross. That's before taxes are taken out. So three times your income. If we're talking about eighty, still the two hundred forty thousand. That's the gross income amount. Yeah. Now when we're talking about the net income, this is you're getting paid eighty thousand a year, but we're taking home uh, the money after the taxes, so
1: it would be less. Yeah. Net so, income. Uh, when we're talking about twenty five percent of your take home, right? How do we figure out what that number is then? All right. So so we're saying we want to do take home. We don't want to do gross. We don't want to 25% of my gross because I'm yeah. not seeing a good portion of that money because yeah. some of that's getting taxed. Yes. So I want to get after tax, post tax, take home 25% of that or, or 30, 25 to 30, decent range. How do I figure out that number? Yeah.
0: So there's a couple ways to do it. Uh, what you can actually do is you can go on to smartasset.com and search take home pay calculator and you'll, able, you'll be able to put your location in some other kind of information and it'll do the work for you to take out your taxes. Mm-hmm. So once you have it, you can multiply it by 0. 0.25 if you're trying to do 25% or 0. 0.3 for 30%. Yeah, And that right there is your take home pay, 25% or 30, whatever, or in between or whatever you're trying to go for at that
1: point. Yeah. You can also just really simply just look at your pay stub, right? Yeah, you get a pay stub, look at it, and then multiply it by if you're getting bi weekly, right? You're going to multiply it by two for the month, and then multiply it by 12 for the year. If you're getting monthly, by 12. you're getting some random thing, this could be difficult. This we get we get a little more difficult when it comes to maybe some uh, commission-based jobs, yeah, yeah, where you're fluctuating a little bit. But we want to we really want to figure out that take-home pay, right? That that's so important. Um, Because if you're working off of your gross, you're going to have inaccurate numbers. Yes. And you're really going to stick yourself.
0: Even worse than it would be if you're going off to pre-approval. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So um, why then... Kevin, do we say 25 to 30% of your take home instead of, let's say, 45% of your take home?
0: Yeah. So, this number, kind of going back to some previous episodes where we were talking a little bit about financial independence, retirement, maybe retiring early or just retiring on time, even, it does help you get a higher rate of savings. Mm-hmm. So, you're able to, if you just take 25% for where you live, you're able to then take more money and put it into savings for future accounts. Yeah. Therefore, If you can live off 25%, you have more in the back end to do other things.
1: Yeah. So for those of you just kind of tuning in, maybe this is the first episode you've listened to. Um, Episode number 19, two episodes ago, Mm -hmm. we talked about financial independence and kind of what that looks like and a little bit of a roadmap to get there that people are, are pursuing who are on that financial independence kind of track. And one of the things we talked about last week, which was index fund, long-term investing in index funds. Um, This one is just affordable housing, making sure that you're not buying a house that's going to make you quote-unquote house poor. If you Mm -hmm. haven't heard that term, that's just having way too much house for your budget. So figuring out what works for you so that way you are still able to achieve your goals long-term, but still live a life that's very middle-class. We don't want you to be like eating you know, mac and cheese and hot dogs for not that there's anything wrong with no, that, I right? Love but mac and cheese and hot dogs. we don't want you to eating that every single meal because you can't afford anything else. Yeah. Right? But we want you to be able to live in a house that's going to meet your needs, that's going to be able to provide you with some joy and comfort, right? But it's not going to break the bank. Right. Okay. So that's where we're at. The 25, 30 percent has historically been really a good way to kind of get a decent house that works for you in your budget but still be able to hit these other goals that we're talking about as far as investing long term and, and doing these savings goals and then still being able to go on vacation, still yeah. being able to eat a decent amount of food and, and, and good food and, and all these other things. So that's where we're at. So what we're gonna do now is I wanna work through these two situations, this three time your income and this 25 to 30% of your take home pay and we're gonna just look at a situation, a scenario and compare these two so you can see that we're not just pulling random information. Yeah. And <laughs> we actually have reasoning behind yes. why we logic. think one is better than the other. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what we're going to do is I'm going to work off of $80,000 yep, as a general salary. And the reason I'm doing that is because that's about the average salary for American families is about $80,000. Obviously, it fluctuates across the country. But for an average, $80,000. So um, – 80 grand is what we're going to be working off of. This is pre-tax, okay? Uh So let's, option number one, three times your income. Kevin, you're the math man. Three times your income- if we're eighty thousand dollars, what amount can we spend or buy? I guess for a house, that'd be two hundred and forty thousand dollars. Look at that math yeah, right there, look people. At that going. He went to college. <laughs> <laughs> Smart dude. All right, so two hundred forty thousand dollars. All right for a house for both of these situations, we're going to work off of the current interest rate. So yes. we're at about seven percent interest rate right now. Yep. When you buy a house, we're just going to work off of that for both these situations, and we're going to assume there's a ten thousand um, dollar down payment. Yeah. Throughout these situations. Just to make it easy. All right. Because generally you need a, a down payment of something, yeah. 3.5% to, to get a house essentially. Uh-huh. Um, so I just want to make it easy. Um, so if we have a $240,000 house. Yep. And we have 7% interest. Yep. Okay. What would the monthly payment be, Mr. Mathman? It would be two thousand one hundred and eighty-three dollars. And you want to walk us walk us through where you got that number from?
0: Yeah. Um. So basically, what we're doing is we're taking the mortgage, which would be about fifteen thirty, and we're adding a hundred and four dollars in for homeowners insurance, one hundred and sixty-three dollars in for PMI, uh, principal mortgage interest, and three hundred and sixty-eight for property taxes. All bundled up into a nice two thousand one hundred eighty-three dollar.
1: A month payment. And really quick, can you explain what um, you 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 told us what PMI is? Mm-hmm. Can you explain why we have the PMI?
0: Yeah. So PM. Yeah. PMI is we put ten thousand dollars down, which is good, right? But we did not put enough down to where the bank feels comfortable uh, with. Are they going to go into a foreclosure? All the other stuff. So the bank, to protect itself, charges a principal mortgage interest rate where you have to pay a little bit more on each payment until you hit a certain threshold. Mm -hmm. And that's typically when you've paid at least 20% into it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it'll come off, you no longer have to pay it anymore. But it's just a a measure to put in that was put in, I believe, in 08 after the financial crisis, where there was all the housing issues going on. the banks kind of put that in to protect themselves and Unfortunately, if you are putting $10,000 down on a
1: $240,000 house, you will have to pay PMI. Yeah. But it does fall off. Yeah. All right. So what we did here is three times your income, buy a house for $240,000. Kevin walked through the numbers. Mm -hmm. So this is including your mortgage. Yes. This is also including not just your mortgage, but it includes your home insurance. It includes PMI and it includes property and taxes. So all of these numbers combined is $2,183 a month, which... If you're like, hey, I bring home I, or I make, I don't bring home. I make eighty grand a year, two thousand one hundred and eighty-three dollars, isn't that much money, right? Every single month. Okay. So let's go to option number two, and then we're gonna work through numbers a little bit more to, to really compare these two. So option number two, twenty-five percent of your of your take home, uh-huh. and then we're gonna do option number two B. Is 30% of your take-home. We're going to do two different numbers here. Using the same thing. So we're working through um, a 7% interest rate. We still make $80,000, right? Um, We're going to work through our mortgage. We're going to work through our home insurance. We're going to work through our PMI. And we're going to work in the property taxes. All these numbers are included. We're just taking now 25% and 30%. What is 25%? Of your take home pay. Yeah. Um, and then what can we uh what's a house that we could get off of that for monthly payments?
0: Yeah, so if you're doing your twenty-five percent, so you have your eighty thousand dollars, you're looking at take home pay, which is about five thousand two hundred and twenty-eight monthly. So twenty-five percent of that would be about thirteen hundred okay around that area, and um right there you see thirteen hundred, but $2,183 2183 was the total gross, right? Mm-hmm. So that one was with the total gross. So if you're looking at doing monthly of 25%, and that's about $1,300. A little yep. over, 1307
1: to be yep. official. Yep. And then 30% of the same thing mm-hmm. is 1500 about yep. 1560 right? Yeah. So we've now dropped from $2,100 essentially um, if we're doing three times our salary, mm-hmm. to 25% would be $1,300, and 30% would be $1,500. Yeah. So we can see a drop here from, from $2,100, $2,200 almost, um, all the way down to 1300 So that's a drop of a decent amount of money, $800. Yeah, it is. Right? $800 a month that we're not putting toward a house anymore. When we go through the math, though, the reason that this is important to realize is you're like, well, $1,300 isn't that much money right $1300 what kind of house can i get for $1300 i look at the 3 times percent interest or 3 times my income and i can afford $2100 a month right so i could easily get a house and 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 buy that and have $2100 a month because i make 80 grand but what we don't realize what a lot of people aren't thinking through is what percentage of your take home is $2100 2183 if you're making $80000 in in total amount yeah it's 42 percent of yeah, your money it's 42 percent of your whatever you're bringing home 42 percent of it yeah it's just going to your house yeah so let's just think through this can you afford for to to spend 42 percent of your total take home amount on a house payment every single month technically you can afford to do it it just would be harder okay
0: Why is that harder? What does then that limit you to doing? Right. So some other stuff we're going to talk about is kind of the hidden costs, Mm -hmm. right? And we'll be talking about those in a minute here. So those will also be in play. And you also won't be able to do that savings for retirement savings Mm -hmm. that we were talking about for the financial freedom aspect, Mm -hmm. and being more free to be able to go out to eat and do all the stuff you want to do. This is just a house payment. This means you know, if you have car payments, credit cards, yeah. student loans, yeah. any of that stuff, you're really getting up to that higher debt to income ratio. Yeah. And usually at 45%, most people won't even give you anything. Yeah. And if you're at 42% for a house, that leaves you 3%
1: to really play with. And that's not much. Yeah. Let's, so, so realtors will, will give a generally up to about 36% is what they go to. This is 42%. So to your point, you're already up 6% on top of what realtors are going to show you on a house. Mm -hmm. So mathematically, if we're doing three times my income, a real estate agent's not even going to show me that house generally because they think that's too much for me. And like Kevin said, that's not including any other debts that you have. I know. That's not including going on vacation or saving for retirement or eating food or utilities or any of these other costs that go into just living life. Yeah. Right? Paying for your... Students, you know your kids schooling or or whatever else you have. Yeah. Um. So then we get to the twenty five percent of your take home. It gets a little bit smaller. You're not going to be able to get as much of a house. You get thir- 30, uh, 1300 dollars a month instead of a two hundred forty thousand dollar house. Now you're safely down to about a hundred fifty thousand dollar house. Yeah. If we bump it up to thirty thousand dollars or thirty percent, and we're doing fifteen sixty eight. We're now up to a $180,000 house. So, we could, it's a it's a decent drop here, 90,000 to $60,000. Yeah. Right? Can you still get a decent sized house for $180,000? It depends on your location. Possibly? Yeah. Possibly. So what we're going to do here is if this isn't working for you, right? You're at, You know what? I really want to stick at this 25%. Mhm. I really want to stick at this 30%. But I can't find a house that really works for me. Yeah. Okay. There are facts to consider when you're buying a house, and one of the major facts to consider is interest rate. Yes. With both of these scenarios, we ran a 7% interest rate, mm-hmm. right? That's the current rate. What is your interest rate? Do you know what your interest rate is I on do. your house right now? Mine is 3.2. Okay. So mine is also 3.2. I think we might be 3.21. Yeah. Okay. So we're significantly lower yes. than 7%. Significantly lower. Mm-hmm. And rates constantly are changing. Yes. Right? Right. They might not drop 4% by next year, but chances are they're going to drop. They're not going to probably go much higher. They're going to drop. So what we need to think through is interest rate is a big deal. So in the in, in the illustrations above, we use 7% interest rate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's just imagine you're like, you know what? For now, I'm just going to rent. Yeah. Nothing wrong with renting. Nothing wrong with renting. I can't find a house that I love that I really want to sit in for and commit to for the next 5 to 10 years for 30% of my budget. But I can find a rental that I'm okay with for 30% of my budget. Yeah. Okay. Knowing that it's just going to be a temporary thing, maybe a year out. Let me see if I can wait a year, see if interest rates drop. If interest rates do drop from 7% to 4%, yeah. now I can afford at 30% of my budget instead of buying a house for $180,000, not making any more money. I'm still making $80,000. And I'm still using 30% of that take-home. I can now buy a house at 4% instead of 7% for $210,000, yeah. right? Which is only 30 grand less than the three times your income house. Yeah, that now opens up your options a lot. Mm-hmm. That might be a real big indicator that you might need to wait for interest rates to drop.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And once again, there is nothing wrong with renting. We did do a previous episode on kind of the pros of renting, and if. You know, you rent for just a year, save up that money to put on a bigger down payment mm-hmm. so that you could afford even maybe more house. Um, that's something to definitely consider. So yeah, when you're looking at it, the interest rate is probably the number one thing to take into consideration yeah. for a house. And,
1: and it's really, it, it's not a, in any of your control. You can't do anything to change the interest rate. No. But you can just wait yeah. until the interest rate comes down. Yeah. Right? So you might have to move to a lower income level area. And not not lower income, but lower expense area, and get a rental there, and maybe drive a little bit farther for the time being until interest rates come down. But don't just stick yourself and get something where you're paying 42% of your take home because you really want a house. Yes. Right? That's just not good long term financial sense. No. And
0: also, another thing to consider so when we're looking at kind of the interest rate being the number one consideration for houses. Mm-hmm. There's other costs that actually come up that yeah. you need to consider. So when we're talking about 25%, don't just think, and the number one thing that people do is when they get that mortgage payment, they're like, that's how much it costs me to have a house. Correct. Like it's going to cost me 1500 Well, let's just move some stuff around. Okay, great. I can afford 1500 And then you get your electric bill. You get your water bill, your gas bill, your trash bill, your utilities, your... Your age of the house can affect these, mm-hmm. right? So if your house is older, like when I bought one that was in the 1900s, guess mm-hmm. what? It didn't have great insulation. Yeah. So the heating bill was always high. Yeah. The electric bill was high. So um, these are things that you need to consider when you're going into your house when you're looking at a house, making sure that you know if the age of the house is older, okay. How does it seem like when you walk in, does it seem, does it seem cooled down? You know, like, well, how does the central air work? The heat, if there is those things, Mm -hmm. all these things you need to take into account. And then there's maintenance and repairs. Yeah. What's the age of the appliances?
1: Yeah. What's the age? When was the furnace replaced? When was the roof replaced? Does it need to be replaced in three or four years. How much money is that going to cost me? Right. Right? Planning for that siding, all the
0: big expenses that you don't really think about in a house. And this is not cosmetic. This is not like painting your house, right? Not painting the inside of a house. That's something that you do that makes it look nice, but not necessarily a need to do. Yeah. These are things that you might need to do. Yeah. If your
1: hot water heater dies tomorrow, Kevin, you're going to have to buy another hot water heater. Yep. Because I don't think your wife and your children, or you really, frankly, (laughs) let's be honest, are going to be happy getting cold showers for the next
0: six months. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And these are big ticket items. So knowing when all that stuff is done and you can also get a home inspection, it'll tell you all that stuff. Yeah. But, um, being able to plan for that is is key so if you have a 1500 hundred dollar mortgage payment but you know that oh the hot water heater is going to go next year possibly getting a side of separate fund for that when it does happen then there you go but there's also upgrades there's mm-hmm. um, insurance so homeowner's insurance the pmi that we talked about mm-hmm. and if you're in a flood flood insurance yep
1: which which one of us has yeah, here, and it's
0: not the Eagles fan. It is not. It is so me. It's, it's yep. This guy. I live close to a river, so it has not flooded in ninety years. But apparently, <laughs> the, there's an a hundred year flood rule that if it's flooded in the last one hundred years, then you have to pay flood insurance. So you
1: are stuck for another ten years. So I'm buddy. stuck
0: for ten years. So if it floods in it's the gonna ninth fl- year, it's going to flood really, in the year ninety nine. Yeah, I'm going to be it's really ticked off if it does. But. <laughs> Um, then there's also the very end, the little sneaky closing
1: costs. Yeah, two to five percent of the actual house. Yeah. So when you buy a house, right? A lot of people are like, "Oh, I bought a three hundred thousand dollar house, so I'm I'm giving them three hundred thousand dollars." No, you're not. <laughs> you're giving them more than three hundred thousand dollars. Why is that? Well, because you're paying somebody else that had to do all this work in a real estate company. Mm -hmm. And they're getting closing costs, which is two to five percent of your total investment. Yeah, so that could really add up, right? You could be paying seven, eight, nine, twelve thousand dollars depending on what their costs were and what the price of your house is on top of just your house price immediately before you even moved in. Yeah, right. So that's something, and that gets worked into your mortgage, yeah, and that increases the number, right? So, um a lot of times, we're thinking, we're, we're looking at this, and we're saying, oh, I have 25% of my house, and I have 42% of my house, in these two different scenarios. Um, well, I can afford 42%. I'd be really tight on everything, but I can afford 42%. But then what happens if you need to replace your roof, and it's $10,000? Yeah. What happens if you're, um, you're, I mean, within the first two years of my living in my house, we had to replace our oven, our dishwasher, <laughs> our washer and dryer, <laughs> <Yeah>. our microwave. <laughs> like um, We might have had to, I, we replaced our hot water heater. I don't know if it was in, within the first couple of years, but we replaced our water heater too. So, yeah. um, and we had to do all those, yeah. right? That wasn't an option, right? I guess it is an option. I guess we don't need a washer and dryer. Is, but... This is first world America. <laughs> we need these things. We them. <laughs> so like, those were just additional costs, right? To owning a house that- if I'm like, I'm really tight with my, with my $1,500 a month for my mortgage and I can't possibly budget anything else, and then something comes up, yeah, well, I got to get that money somewhere. Yeah. So it's going to take away from something else where if I'm at 42%, I'm really tight. Yeah. If I'm at 25 to 30%, I have a little bit of wiggle room. And if I'm saving 15% of my income... Right. I'm putting fifteen percent of my take home directly, immediately right into retirement, which is what we encourage people to do, at least fifteen yeah. percent. Yeah. Um if something comes up, I can always drop that down to twelve percent. Yep. And I'm still saving in my retirement, but I can pull a little bit of money out every single month and then I can use it toward repairing something, right? If something needs to be repaired. Or I can I can use it toward medical, right? Yeah. How many times does something come up? Because we all we always plan right, for, for when yeah. your kids get injured, right, I Kevin? Know. I mean, you always are completely yeah. prepared for when something happens and somebody needs to go to the hospital, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you have emergency funds for stuff like that, which is nice, but insurance for, like, health insurance is nice, but those bills are just, like, hospital bills are just outrageous. Yeah, yeah. And, you like, the money you need for that is is high. But when it comes to, like, the housing thing, another rule that a lot of people say is save... budget 1% of the actual purchase price of your house for repairs. Yeah. So if if you bought your house at $200,000, right, then you're able to, okay, a couple thousand dollars a year, you know, have that on hand. Automatically, because you know
1: something's going to go wrong. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you live in a brand new house.
0: Yeah. Something's going to happen. Yep. And you'll have to fix it. I mean, or you might want to do improvements, which also costs more. So just really when it all comes down to it, The budgeting is key, and actually we kind of have a document that we're going to put in the show notes here that um, you can download and kind of create a quick budget. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of set up for you to kind of quickly see what your expenses are and help you shed some light on your costs and what you can actually afford.
1: And And see if you're overspending on stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of people that we work with that, frankly, they they think they're doing okay, and then once they actually write out what their expenses are, it's like an eye-opening thing, like... Are you kidding yeah. me? I'm actually spending that much on blank expense every single month That's ridiculous yeah I actually worked with a client that had
0: spent more than four hundred dollars in subscriptions and <laughs> yeah. they didn't know it and they didn't know it yeah they yeah. didn't know it and yeah. that's the kind of thing where you might say that would never I would never do that like yeah. that's crazy but you know you're probably spending fifty well 100
1: I've, I've worked with a client that was spending twelve hundred dollars a month on car payments
0: yeah that's that's and crazy.
1: I think they knew that they were doing it, but once they saw it on paper,
0: <laughs> yeah, and they
1: saw the percentage of their money that was going to just their car payment. They were like, "Are you kidding me? Why are we doing this?" Like yeah. one of their cars alone was seven hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, it's just for the one car.
0: Cars are crazy now; they really are they're because like, they're are doing they're this? doing like eighty four months now. Yeah, I remember when sixty was a lot. Yeah, and then they had a seventy two, eighty four. It's gonna be like.
1: 10 years from yeah, now. It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. So so really quick, just in in the show notes, we have that document. You can just put your income in. Remember, we're trying to go post-tax mm-hmm. income. So this is your take-home income. And then you can just work through your expenses. And what this will do is just kind of illuminate a little bit of of what am I spending? Um, and if you're looking at getting a house, this will help you be like, okay, well, how much do I have where maybe I can cut something, right? Maybe I can cut something in and, Maybe, maybe it makes sense for you to bump it up to 33%, 34% of your income if you can um, for take home to get a house. We'd like to stick around 25 to 30. Um, but, you know, the market's not great and you need to it's live longer, somewhere. Yeah. So maybe you yeah. need to bump it up and maybe you need to take a little bit of money from somewhere. So where can you do that? Well, that's where having a budget document really helps you. Yes. It gives you the insight that you need. It gives you the information that you can make to make a good decision.
0: Yes, because this is probably one of the biggest, this is the biggest economical decision you'll make.
1: I mean, frankly, it's probably the biggest purchase most people are going to do for their whole life.
0: Yes. Yeah. So don't just decide, okay, the bank says I can buy this. Do your own math and your own homework and make sure that you can. Because once again, the bank isn't considering some factors that we mentioned here. So. Yeah. Make sure that you don't, your new home that you've dreamed of doesn't become a nightmare. Yeah. So yeah, keeping all this in mind, once again, we do recommend the 25 to 30% method over the three times your income for the math reasons that we showed. Yeah. And uh, we hope that you did get something out of this, that you learned something new and that you
1: will do some of this planning before you buy a house. Yeah. And let us know if this yeah, was helpful. Exactly. Let us know if you have any questions. If you have any specific questions on this kind of a topic, let us know. Um you know, comment on a, on a podcast review or, or the YouTube channel or email us, contact us, whatever. We'd love to know if this was helpful, if it wasn't helpful, what you'd like to know.
0: Yeah. And in that follow us on all our social medias, we have Facebook, Instagram, uh, we have Twitter now. Um, We also do YouTube. We're on YouTube and we have a website, financialfeastpod.com, which has an about section that you can Uh, And also a contact us section that Mm -hmm. you can contact us with any emails or questions you may have there. So we do thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you next week.